It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello and welcome back once again to another episode of RSL Sundays here at the Hive Sports Podcasting Network. As always, I am your host, Alex Maurer, and unfortunately, once again, I am not joined by my co-host, Ethan Kershaw. He's out for the week, so unfortunately, you're going to have to listen to me this whole podcast, but hopefully that's okay. This was an absolutely wild week to be an RSL fan, and we are going to get into all of that. We had three games, two Monarchs matches couple, uh, well, I guess just one academy signing, a new front office signing, more rumors about coaches and all that good stuff, and some uh, club news. And why don't we get it started off there? Uh, to start, we have Nick Romando inducted into the Utah Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, good for him for getting that high honor and award. He was roundly applauded tonight at the Seattle Sounders game. And it is good to see him still tied to the club. I think it's pretty clear that Kyle Beckerman has gone a different route, you know, coaching at UVU. And I wish we could kind of give Kyle these same accolades and applauds because he obviously deserves them. But I'm glad to see that Nick Romando is getting them uh, while he can. And hopefully he stays with the club for many years. Uh, the Real Monarchs signed a new academy forward, Yekasin Suba. He's 17 years old and he plays forward. He was good for us in the MLS Next Tournament, and now he has started two games for the Monarchs and looks to be pretty lively for a high school student. Uh, It's pretty impressive to see him achieving these things this young, and that is what we want to see from the Monarchs, as I've harped on many times on this show, is that we want to see young guys given chances. Lastly, for club news, RSL signed John Spencer to the role of Academy Recruiting and Career Pathway Development. Uh, It's not a huge huge uh, signing for the club, but the fact that the role even exists and that we need a guy to be a liaison between students and career pathways and coaches and teachers is a really, really cool thing for RSL, in my opinion. To see that we have grown so large as an organization to even have a need for a guy like that, I think is pretty awesome. And I'm glad to see that we got a good guy who is widely regarded around MLS circles as a true professional. So we've seen on Twitter from Trey Fitzgerald. And I just think it's a, it also shows that the FO can still make moves without an owner. Obviously, to an extent, this isn't a huge signing, but it is good to see us still active in these types of conversations. That just about wraps it up for club news. As I'm looking at my notes, there's not a whole lot left. Uh, so that'll get us right into our Monarchs Minute. And if you're at home, you can start your timers. And here we go. The Monarchs signed Academy Forward Yekis and Suba, 17 years old. He started both games, and he looked pretty good. Uh, didn't get on the score sheet, but he did look lively, and he does look like a guy to absolutely keep an eye on. Unfortunately, the Monarchs lost 2-0 to Hartford on Wednesday and then lost 2-1 to tonight, Saturday night, to New Mexico United with the lone Monarchs goal coming from 22-year-old winger Charles Weehan. However, unfortunately, Charles's brother, Christopher, scored the winner for New Mexico United in this one in the 80th minute. So the Weehan family giveth and they taketh away. Monarchs are now in what I would call a pretty severe slump. And if you are Hamasin Olave looking to interview for the RSL job, you might want to do your best to perhaps try to get them out of it. Again, 
no reason to sound the alarm. The Monarchs should be an academy team, and the results is not the first thing we should judge them on. But it is getting a little old. That wraps up the Monarchs Minute, and we will get into RSL games, finally, because what a week they had. It was started all on Sunday night when we lost 3-2 to two to LAFC with goals from Demir and Anderson Julio uh, in what was a pretty lackluster performance from RSL. It was the first time we've seen the 3-5-2 probably ever, actually, for Real Salt Lake. I mean, I think Petke might have deployed it at, like, end of games a couple times, but... I digress. This is the first time we saw the 3-5-2 from the start and actually looked like we were committed to it, but we did look a little bit lost. LAFC scored in like the first minute of the game and kind of ran riot with a bunch of shots on goal, but we actually did outpossess them, which I think was lost in this narrative and could have been a signifier of things to come. No need to dwell on the LAFC game because it sucked and it wasn't fun to watch, but then... <laughs> We got an absolutely wild game Wednesday night in San Jose with RSO winning 4-3 to three with goals coming from Rubin times 2, Rusnak, and Merrim. In this game, we had 13 shots on goal and created a plethora of chances. It was a really, 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 really good day to be an RSL fan. It was a wild game. We saw the 3-5-2 progress a little bit. Uh, in this match, it was chaotic. We, I wouldn't ever say any prolonged stretch. We were in charge of the game. It was a very two-sided affair, obviously, uh, with a hat trick from Chofis for San Jose, which was disputed by David Ochoa, who said he um, scored an own goal on the corner kick, and that took Chofis's hat trick away. And many MLS fans took issue with that because David Ochoa has now gained a reputation for his... Dark arts, as Brian Dunseth calls it. Personally, I love it, and I think MLS needs more villains, and I think David Ochoa is a really good one, but I digress. RSO would go on to win this game 4-3, shoot up the standings a little bit in what was pretty much a must-win game, and the 3-5-2 progressed even further, and that gets us to where we are tonight, or tomorrow when you are listening to this. Uh, Saturday night, we won 1-0 over the Seattle Sounders at home with the lone goal coming from Demir Krylak off a header from an Aaron Herrera cross where he absolutely dusted the defender, turned him right around. Uh, and we held the Sounders to only two shots on goal and obviously a shutout, which was immense. The Sounders have been one of the best teams in MLS this year. And to see our defense anchored by the one and only Eric Holt, who took a lot of heat, maybe deservedly so going into this game on the socials. Uh, but he absolutely showed out tonight. He was fantastic. He's been a guy I've questioned in the past, a guy I would like to see behind uh, Marcelo Silva on the depth chart, which sometimes seems to be the case and sometimes doesn't. But he was he was incredible tonight. He was a good organizer. He was a good enforcer. And he's gone from kind of a fringe guy to what I would consider the most important role in the defense now in this formation, a 3-5-2 being that center, center back, and I'm very, very, very surprised that it's not Justin Glad in that role. I think Justin signed a huge contract with us, has been with us for, you know, seems like half his life at this point through the academy and now through the first team. And to see him pushed out to the right is strange. It's not necessarily a bad thing. He got forward a few times in this game, which was really weird to see. 
just because we don't ever see him getting forward very often, which now seems like it'll be a thing. But it was strange to me that he was not in the middle. But I think Eric Holt did a good job and deserved that spot. Eric Holt was probably my man of the match. If it's not him, it's Pablo Ruiz, who was also very good. Uh, but regardless, this is a positive trajectory for the team. We've recently you know, gone through our coaching change. Pablo has taken that interim tag and he's kind of ran with it. And I think this was the first match, I guess the first set of matches where we've seen Pablo put his stamp on the team. The team seems to really be buying into this 3-5-2 formation. Almost every player we've talked to has mentioned how much they enjoy it. And the one buzzword that everybody brings up is how much energy it has brought to the team. Everyone we've talked to in post-game interviews, in midweek interviews, has mentioned that it has freed them up and just allowed them to play with a certain energy that was not there before. I think we see that in guys like Albert Rusnak. We saw that uh, from Aaron Herrera against Seattle Sounders. In the postgame, he talked about how this is a weird formation for him. He's never really played it before. He said maybe four or five times in his entire life as he played this role. But he's embracing it, and he likes to get forward. He says it is a little bit more running because he has to get back a lot. But he says it's not as high pressure because he does have guys behind him to cover for him. And we also heard from Demir Krylak, who said it, it is just energy. Energy was the buzzword for Demir. He says everybody was hyped for this game because of uh, obviously playing against Freddy Juarez. And he likes his striker role, kind of a false nine role. Pablo Mastroeni said the same thing. He's really liked the response from the guys. He said Albert, after the LAFC game, came out and told the guys in the locker room, no more kickoff goals, no more set piece goals. And they embraced that tonight against the Sounders. And I really thought they looked really, really good. One question I do have for this lineup is what the best personnel decisions look like. Tonight we saw a flat three of Datkovich, Eric Holt, Glad, and then the wingbacks were Justin Miram. I guess if you can call them wingbacks, kind of just wingers, Justin Miram, Aaron Herrera. And then we had Pablo Ruiz, Everton Ruiz in the middle. Um, Albert Rusnak spearheading the center midfield, as Brian Dunseth to say. And then we had uh, Rubio Rubin and Demir Krylak up top. What I'm curious to see is what happens when Bobby Wood gets healthy and when a guy like Jonathan Menendez maybe starts to prove in practice or in games that he deserves more playing time because I'm very curious how you keep those guys out of the lineup. I think we paid a lot of money to bring them in. And I don't think we would have done that had we not had a plan to play them. Obviously, plans change when your coach leaves mid-year. But regardless, I still think the best lineup for us would be Rubio and either Anderson or Bobby Wood up top because I think we lose a lot in Demir being, I don't want to say slow, but not the fastest player on the field. There were many times tonight against the Sounders where I thought we could have exposed them on the counter, but there was no guy making a run in behind because Rubio was kind of the holdup guy and Dami played a little bit lower kind of is a false nine, kind of is like a pseudo second 10 next to Albert. I just thought it jumbled up the team going forward. And I thought Demir occupied a lot of space that Albert Rusnak would have been better suited operating in. And so I would just like to see a change at center, I guess not center forward, but one of those two striker positions next to Rubio Rubin, because I thought Rubin was fantastic tonight and made a bunch of really good runs. But then you're benching your only MLS all-star, and that is another tricky thing to do. So we really do have some conundrums on the left and right wings. I really like Aaron Herrera on the right. I think he's really good going forward, and he was about six inches from an MLS school of the year contender had he hit that volley 
against the Sounders. And so I'm not mad at him on the right, but Justin Miram on the left is strange to me. He's He played his Iraq World Cup qualifiers halfway around the world, came back, started a Wednesday game, started this game. And at no point did he feel like, I mean, I guess he scored against San Jose. So obviously you got to say that he did his job there. But tonight he didn't really feel like a huge threat going forward. He felt good in possession. But beyond that, I don't think he offered a whole lot. Maybe he doesn't need to in this type of role as this kind of wingback winger. But I would like to see Jonathan Menendez given a shot there. Uh, but regardless, I think Pablo has really put his stamp on this team. And I think the team is really responding well. And it's good to see it. I mean, we're getting healthy too. Aaron Herrera and Noah Powder made their returns from injury. Aaron Herrera limped off in this game, but we asked him in the post game, and he said he's fine, just a little bit of cramping, so he should be back. And I'm just uh, really, really excited for the first time in a long time about this team. We're playing a new brand of soccer, as people call it. It's exciting. We're getting a lot of scoring opportunities. We're holding the Sounders to two shots on goal at home and shutting them out, and that's just not a thing I would have expected to say a week ago, maybe three days ago even. And so I'm really glad that the guys are responding as well as they are to Pablo Mastroeni. But those are the games for the week. We come away with four points and we shoot up to fifth in the Western Conference. However, some teams behind us do have a game in hand, but that's a better place to be than on the outside looking in. Um, And more, I guess, club news. The coaching search has continued, obviously. Uh, Sam Stasekel on Twitter, or I guess not on Twitter, but through The Athletic, has confirmed that RSL's interviewed Landon Donovan for the head coaching vacancy, as well as Jason Kreiss and Rob Valentino, an assistant with Atlanta United. Other names have been floated, such as uh, Hamison and Javi, uh, but those first three are the ones that I think have been confirmed. And Landon Donovan, to me, would be pretty much the greatest thing to happen in RSL in a very, very long time. If we could get him signed as a head coach, I think he's proven to be a solid USL coach, which I know is not the highest mark, but he's also the greatest American soccer player of all time. So I think he has a lot of room to grow. And I think he's been an incredible man manager. He's showed up really well for some of the social justice things down in San Diego, where he currently coaches, and he formerly coached Rubio Rubin, so that would be a nice little bit of continuity. And I also would love to see whoever comes in, I would really love to see Pablo Mastroetti retained on the staff. I mean, maybe Pablo gets the job if he continues, you know, coaching really well. But I would like to see this coaching staff give it a real chance, especially because Freddie brought all of these guys in and then he kind of dipped out. And I think they deserve an honest an honest run. So whoever comes in, I would love to see some of these guys kept around. I'm also really interested in Javi coming back to coach. It's always interesting bringing back club legends for things like this. You're kind of setting yourself up to fail. And I think it's one of the reasons why I don't want to see Jason Christ return, but who knows? It's going to be a long time and I don't think it's going to happen until a coaching hire until we get a new owner. And I don't think there has been any progression at least not publicly, on that. But in other news, we have a game Saturday against the Portland Timbers. They are two points behind us in the standings. We're at 36, they're at 34. We're in fifth, they're in sixth. Uh, But they have a game in hand, so we have to win this game. This is a really big one. 
We want to stay above that playoff line. We have not been great on the road, but we just came off a win in San Jose, and I think we could do it again, and I would love to see what happens there. I would like to see the progression of the 3-5-2, and I'm really interested in some of those personnel decisions, namely if Anderson Julio can start up top, maybe Bobby Wood, and then a Johnny Menendez on the wing. Regardless, I'm really excited to watch this game. RSL's playing fun soccer, and it's just a good time to be a fan. Thank you all so much for listening. We will be back next Sunday with another episode. The HiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school. So check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.